0: All right, we get it rolling on the Krug Show. Hope everybody's having a great day today. December twelfth, twenty twenty-three, twelve twelve, twenty-three, twelve thirty-three on the west coast, three thirty-three on the east coast. Guy Haberman, uh, one of our favorites is back with us. And uh the show today streamed on both of our channels, on our channel as well yeah. as Guy's channel. Guy, good to see you, man. How are you?
1: Good to see you, Larry. Thanks for having me, man. Uh good. Good. I um you know, November is a big juggle for me with college football going on. So now that it's done, I got my, my midweeks are, um, can be a little more uh, NFL-focused.
0: Well, sounds good. And, uh, you know, the Heisman went to the kid Daniels from LSU. Was that who you thought it would go to? I mean, I know it that offense that he was in was so great at the end of the year. It's just that they were unstoppable. But, you know, the Heisman's such an odd award. And it's like how they come to it is, is it the best player? Is it the hottest player? Is it the quarterback on the best team? Is it, you know... What did you think? Did Daniels deserve it? I, I'm a Heisman voter,
1: so you're asking somebody with a vote. Yeah. And I voted for Michael Penix. Um, I it think was the formula, fantastic at you, It was great. Yeah, I mean, I think the formula – this year the formula was pretty simple, and I think if you blind resume most years and you said, all right, you've got a quarterback who leads the nation in passing, who also plays for the undefeated number two seed in the college football playoff, there's really not going to be much of debate after that. The guy had, I think, six comeback game, uh, late game comeback drives. However, you want to say it, they haven't won a game by multiple scores uh, since like September. They beat Oregon twice with another Heisman winner. I mean, I just thought their their degree of difficulty was was higher, and I just thought the games were more valuable in the end. Um, you know, but when you look at you know where Penix got his votes, it came from the Midwest, Big Ten country, in the West. And, uh, you know, Jane Daniels got his votes from the South and, and the East. So, uh, and like in a runaway too, but I I would have voted for, I would, I did vote, not would have voted. I would have voted. I voted for Penix, but you know, Jaden thought- Daniels was like Herm Edwards quarterback <laughs> people. I don't know if everyone knows that with IUG.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, Jaden Daniels was at ASU. That's right. And, and, uh, transferred. Um, and he had, you know, and he also has Malik neighbors who I think is, Ah, uh, top ten pick, and I think Neighbors is one of the best uh, best receivers in the country. I mean, yep. I, I I like the kid for Washington. Don't get me wrong, but I don't I like Neighbors more. Um, who do you and, have two? Yeah, Washington has two, right? No, who do you
1: have number? Who's your number two receiver? Oh, number Holman, two receiver, a Dunze, Harrison.
0: Uh, probably a Dunze, probably a Dunze. Yeah. Um, but it's I haven't you know ranked them yet as far as receivers there's there's a bunch of guys i like I'll, i i'll be totally honest with you i like jerry's kid jerry rice's kid yeah i think he's going to be a very good nfl receiver i also like uh Leggette from from south carolina quite a bit um i think you know um xavier legate is that his name i don't know his first name uh, but he's he's a talented guy from south carolina so I haven't done the uh, the deep dive on the receivers, but those are the guys that stand out to me. I like the Washington receivers, but I I love Penix, and I would have voted for Penix for the Heisman. I I just think the arm strength, the accuracy. Now I was talking to Dave Softy Mahler, and he was like, um, you know, he never gets hit. You know, he's he uh, he's yeah. got a great offensive line, and you know, so now yeah. what? We're gonna hold the guy's offensive line against him? I mean, I saw him make some amazing throws against Utah.
1: And he did get hit. I mean, softies, right? Like when you go, even Knicks was the same way. Sometimes they played in Zach Wilson. You remember Zach Wilson's college tape from 2020 when they played nobody except Coastal Carolina. Right. Every tape was like just a massive pocket. Um, Yeah. Washington's offensive line is one of the best offensive lines in the nation, but he got hit. He got hit a lot and he still stepped up and made big throws. I mean, um, the first Oregon game, he, he was getting crushed in that game late in that game and made some
0: huge throws. So,
1: you know, that's a more NFL eval thing to me than it is a Heisman thing.
0: Yeah, totally. Totally. Um, where are you with the Niners right now? I know you've been doing a lot of college, but, um, the 49ers just get a 28, 16 win over the Seahawks. They haven't lost since the bye. I haven't talked to you since they rolled into Philly and spanked the Eagles are, and then I watched Miami last night, lose to the Titans I saw Baltimore life and death to beat the Rams. Um, <laughs> Detroit lost at Soldier Field to Chicago. Uh, I'm just looking at around the league and I'm saying, well, wait a second, is this are the Niners going to wind up being like the last? You know, Bengals have lost their quarterback for the year. I love the way the Bengals look, but their their quarterback's done for the year. Um, you know, I'm uh, Bills beat the Chiefs. I don't know if I like either of those teams really. Um, I like the way the Cowboys are looking, but the Niners spanked the Cowboys, and Cowboys can't run the ball against the Niners, and they can't seem to stop the Niner run game. Philly doesn't look like the same team. Who's standing between the Niners and um, and, and a sixth Lombardi? Are they the NFL's best team right now by far?
1: Yes, uh, they're the best team. I still think Baltimore, let's see that game, and the good news is we're going to get that game, but they are the best team. I give Baltimore credit. I think the Rams are... You know, um, I think were, like I respect what Sean McVay's done since they got bad uh, and he's made them respectable. Um, and that game was in the pouring rain and Lamar looked excellent. So, yes, they're the best team. What stands between them and the Lombardi is, outside of injury, is I think Baltimore, Kansas City. Um, I thought Miami losing on Monday night, tell me if you disagree, Larry, was bad for the Niners. If you want, like, not like actually bad, but if you want to try and – Uh, find the best scenario for them. I think playing Miami in the Super Bowl would be preferred to playing Baltimore or Kansas City. And I think for Miami to get to the Super Bowl, they'd need home field. I don't think they're going to Baltimore. I don't think they're going to Kansas City and winning. I know right now Kansas City doesn't look anything like the kind of Chiefs teams that win Super Bowls, and I agree with that. But the Niners don't play them next week. The Niners don't play them in the first round of the AFC playoffs. If the Niners were to play Kansas City, they'd play a version of the Chiefs that had gotten to the Super Bowl, right? So I think we have to we have to acknowledge if you play the Chiefs, they won't look like this Chiefs. They probably will have gone on the road to Baltimore, Miami, or both in the AFC playoffs and won. So you, what you'd end up with is a if you just concoct the scenario where you're playing the Chiefs, what you're facing is a hot Patrick Mahomes, right, in all likelihood. And that would be, even though their roster is not what it was when they won the championship, you're playing Andy Reid on two weeks. You're paying Patrick Mahomes. That's scary. So I do think that that's like, you have to consider that, even though that's not what Kansas City looks like now. I don't think playing Miami would be scary. And we'll see. Like, I do think playing Lamar in Baltimore could be scary. Um, and that's, that's about it. I mean, barring an injury, that's it. Like, Dallas looks excellent. Dallas, for the first time, for the first time in the McCarthy era, era looks good enough for me, who I've repeatedly not given them probably the credit that others do just because i i don't think they beat the niners um but when you watch him you go there's just there is a lot of talent here and they do it seems to work against most teams um so you know i do think you have to give them at least to use the steve kerr line that i love uh, appropriate fear that's not fear it's just i know you've kicked their ass repeatedly but you know even the rams you beat the rams a lot and the rams got the niners when it mattered so detroit goff you know, that doesn't didn't scare me before they'd lost two or three before they lost to Chicago. It doesn't shouldn't scare you now. They've got his number. But that's it. That's that's everybody. I mean, I didn't mention Philly. And obviously, I I do think you have to I think you got to give Philly a little more respect than they've gotten the last two weeks too.
0: The, the Philly's limping right now, but yeah. I, I, you know, we'll see if they can kind of regain their footing. Um and obviously, behind this incredible run the 49ers have had um, and this resurgence and this where they're looking like the very best team in all of football is Brock Purdy. And I heard um, your partner, uh, John, on with uh, with Cowherd this morning. I think I saw a little, bl- a little blurb of it on uh, Twitter, and he was comparing um, him to, like, Drew Brees, um, you know, Brock Purdy. I mean, I think it's safe to say – you know I, I what i've been saying for a while which Brock Purdy's damn good and he may be great i mean um he was he he went i think what 0 for 4 or 1 for 4 something like that and then he was 23 of 27 he completed 76 pa- 76% of his passes after the first uh, series or so for 300 plus yards and two touchdowns and um you know the four, just making some amazing plays Where are you with Brock Purdy? I know you always kind of were more of a fan of Purdy, even when others were kind of saying, you know, hey, Trey Lance, Trey Lance, Trey Lance. I know we talked this summer, you and John were much more not on the Trey Lance bandwagon and much more in the Purdy camp, but you got to be, I mean, is this guy the MVP? And is it possible that Brock Purdy is not good or very good, but actually great?
1: So... To me, the MVP is. I, I do think I do want to wait and just see what happens with the Ravens on Lamar, because when I looked, like you know, like a week ago, you go, these numbers are not MVP numbers. But then I watched him, and he looked like the MVP. So when you're the quarterback of a 13 win team, if that's what they end up being, if they were to beat the Niners head to head, then you'd have to reevaluate Lamar. I know Dak now has the, you know, Dak is the favorite. Uh, Brock is second. So if you're second, you're probably a legitimate MVP candidate. And in the case of Brock, he's a legitimate MVP candidate. I. Personally, if I had an MVP vote, which I don't, I would strongly consider giving McCaffrey my first vote. Larry, I don't know how you feel about that because I do think, I think there's a case to be made that he is their most valuable, that he has changed them the most, but then you really take a step back and you think about what this team was with Garoppolo and the way they've opened up their offense with Jimmy, and I mean, with Brock, and it was so clear from the beginning. I remember watching them early going, I think Kyle's trying to throw the ball down the field more. And now that we have like 20 games of data, the evidence is in. He's throwing the ball down the field more, and they're doing it more effectively. So, you know, he has changed Kyle's offense. It's the closest offense that Kyle has had since his Matt Ryan offense. And it's one of the best. This is one of the best offenses of the Kyle of Kyle Shanahan's career, not just his Niner career, his coordinating career. Um, his Alfred Morris offense in Washington statistically was excellent. They couldn't throw the ball. Um, but they were they were one of the top offenses in the league. His Matt Ryan offense and this offense. So um, I mean, he's had he and he had a, a top offense in, in 19, but I think this one's better because of Brock. So yeah, he's an MVP candidate. Could he be great? He could be. Like I was I, I was really thinking a lot, and John and I'll talk about it later today. And I did a video this morning about Brock and Tua because I'm watching Tua last night and I just and I, I want your opinion on this too. I'm like, I started looking at the numbers of just the all the PFF numbers. And like every number I looked at the first four or five categories, I realized that Brock and Tua were like one and two, like boom, 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 boom. So I started over, I started writing them down. Cause I was like, how many of these categories are they close? Uh, and it's like 95% of them, (laughs) but it doesn't look that way. Right. When you watch it, they don't, I don't think they're the same player. I think Brock's better. Some key categories where Brock is better. Uh, he he turns the ball over less when he throws it downfield, and he's been much, much, much better against pressure than Tua has been this year. And I think he, he escapes more pressure. He escapes more sacks than Tua does.
0: He's a little well, bit more decisive with his movements in the pocket than Tua to me. So
1: this is where I need your... Tua gets the ball out faster than anybody. Right. So in that sense, he is decisive, right? I think that Brock is faster once he gets past... Once that first read is in there, I think Brock is quicker at making the next thing happen, which is, you know, the game. So that that was my theory, because Brock's time to throw is is slower, but, you know, especially on, like, the deep balls. But I think he does it better than Tua does. His completion percentage is higher, right? Usually you start getting into the time to throw. As it goes up, that completion percentage goes up. Well, his time to throw is lower than Tua's, but his completion percentage
0: is basically the same. It's It's, like a
1: tenth of a point higher or whatever.
0: So, um, you know, my, I, my 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 I'll say from watching them guy, what stands out to me is that Tua seems like he's throwing to guys that have more separation on the defender. And I don't know if I have a stat in front of me that that will that you know, will verify that or not. Just from watching both of them my sense of it is that Brock his accuracy is a little bit better. He can throw it into tighter windows. His ball placement's a little bit more precise. Tua's, Tua's throwing the ball to guys that seem like they've broken into the free and, and they have more separation on the defender. Could be. I mean,
1: the throw that Tua had last night to Tyreek at like the five-yard line or whatever it was up the, you know, it was like far upper right of your, or upper left, I guess, was a ridiculous throw and a ridiculous catch. Yeah. Um, But I, my, my, the way I put it is like, I think Brock seems more under control. Like Brock's, Brock's games tend to be a little cleaner. I think Tua's have like some weird variations of, they can, they can have some plays that look wild. Brock made some wild, makes some wild plays too. But I don't think they're the same. I, the, the point of this is not that they're the same. I also think Brock's arm is stronger.
0: Than Tua? Yeah.
1: Um. And, you know, we don't have the, Tua didn't do all the combine stuff, so we don't have the, like, the 10-yard uh, split data and all that stuff that we have. for. That's the beauty of Brock being such a low prospect is he did all the workout stuff, you know, that most of these guys don't do. Um, So, yeah, you asked, is can he be a star? The answer is yes. But I guess what I'm saying is all this stuff takes, if you're going to be a star, like, if you're really a star, then you have, then it just you got to do it for a few years, you know, and that's where like John's comp de breeze. Somebody people will do the. the to me, the comp to rust is interesting. Any guy that wins a championship early in their career, I think it really just kind of sets you free to be yourself and takes a lot of pressure off of having to prove anything once you get that championship. And Brock plays pretty pressure free. Like I think Tua. Sometimes I think he's a little beaten down by everything he's been through in the NFL, all the controversy that he's been in the
0: center of to no fault of his own. And Brock doesn't carry any of that baggage. Brock to me, and John made this point today, and I think it's I think it's appropriate, he's a better athlete with better movement ability than anybody gives him credit for. They yeah. look at his size and they don't, you know, the 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 one thing that we've been talking about for you know a couple of years now on Brock is that 155 five four, one five five 10-yard split. To put that in perspective, Tyreek Hill is one five oh. Um, and so, I mean, Tyree kills a blur and no, and, and the fastest guy and uncoverable and, you know, he's electric and yet Brock Purdy is, you know, got a 10 yard split. That's in the same ballpark. I mean, one, five feels four. like it
1: should invalidate 10 yard splits.
0: <laughs> I know. Well, you know, and then you think of, you know, the other amazing stat is that Tom Brady's got a better three cone drill than DK Metcalf. Uh, but you know, to me, that was more about DK's probably, you know, maybe he maybe he didn't try that hard in the uh, in the combine drill, and maybe Brady really tried hard, and somebody somebody got a you know got their finger wrong on the stopwatch or something. But yeah. Purdy's very very quick, and the escapability is there. John actually kind of compared him to saying that he was kind of kind of like what the Browns wanted um, Baker Mayfield to be. Sure, absolutely. Um, but I I don't know if uh, Baker's just you know, such an, I don't think Baker's is a a consistent personality. And so, you know, Brock, I think is a way more mature guy and a better leader and more constant, more consistent as a person, and maybe just a better person overall than Baker. But I'll, but, well, but I would add this too,
1: Larry, right? Like Baker, it turned out and it it turned out immediately to the point you referenced. It turned out really quickly that what worked in college athletically did not work in the NFL for him. And that's not the case for Brock, but I also think he just, he's a more under control player. Um, somebody asked me today, what's the difference between Wentz and Purdy? I was like, you know, it's a great question. Cause there's two major, di- like there's all the physical differences. And then there's just the simple fact that his teammates like him. I know it's a weird
0: comparison. Uh, yeah, I, yeah. Who Wentz? I mean, Wentz is a bigger guy and they and he played at, you know, he's North Dakota He's a premium Dakota prospect State. is the point, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, Wentz, I, Wentz's career arc makes no sense to me. I um, you know, he was in, he was a MVP candidate and everything just kind of evaporated for right. Him. I know. Well, and, and that's part part about huge that. negative plays. Yeah. Yeah. I was just going to say that's the
1: part of that Foles championship that will get forgotten to history is that Foles didn't just save the day. Foles saved the day on a for a guy who was about to win the MVP when he got hurt.
0: Yeah. Uh, guy Haberman in the house and people are like, get guy on regularly. Yeah. We, I, you know, seriously, I've been so busy doing the channel and covering the Niners. And I know you and John have been doing some great stuff that I hadn't thought to, uh, to collab with you in a few weeks, but I do love talking ball with you, man. And and, well, and John it. as well. Um, and you've got the always invite and I'd love to do a regular thing with you guys. Um, I should mention to everybody, we're brought to you by pig and a pickle, the best barbecue in all of Northern California on our side. And of course, New York style Italian sausage, as well as underdog fantasy and mojo fantasy and marinautoglass.com. And of course we're on guys channel and guy feel free. If you'd like, since we're co-streaming here to shout out your own sponsors, uh, Tito's okay. handmade vodka there crafted you go. to be savored responsibly. There you go. Yeah. You, you, they give you free vodka. Do you get lots and lots of
1: Tito's? I have run through the, I've, I've, there was a stretch where I had like a couple cases that was just impossible. (laughs) I started
0: giving it away. I mean, (laughs) Hey man, how you doing? You want some vodka? Yeah. Come on over. Dude, what's going on with Guy? Dude. Every time I see him, he's, he's offering me hard alcohol. I mean, just bottles of it. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know what to say. Why is it in bulk? It's bizarre. (laughs) He's that guy. Yeah. He's like that. He's like the blue hair from uh, the middle. You see in line at Safeways with a two gallon jug of, of, uh, Gilby's in front of you. And when, when I was moved to her, San
1: Francisco, I, uh, back in 2012, I had a neighbor like that. One, very nice lady. And I, I remember one time she asked me to, she was, you know, had to be in her eighties and she asked me to help her with her groceries. It was like a bag and two of the bottles inside were gin. <laughs> I was like, Oh, there you go. There yeah. you
0: go. Oh man. Uh, it reminds me of a funny story when my, when I was a little kid, It was the last day of school. And we had been driving this other kid to and from soccer practice. And his parents were really nice people. And they gave my mom um, a a gift. And that was the last day of school. So I'm like, mom, open it, open it. You know, I was whatever, I was six years old, seven years old. So my mom opens it and she's like, Oh, thank you so much. And I'm and I have no idea what it is because I'm seven years old. So I say to my mom as we're driving home, Mom, what do they give you? What is that? and she's like, it's good gin, right? Okay. So now we're driving to my house in the sunset and our car breaks down and it's the last day of school. So me and all my brothers and sisters have all of our stuff and everything. So we pull in front of a St. Nations high school and, um, the car dies and, and, and so she pulls it over to the side and, um, one of the football coaches comes out and she's like, oh ma'am, you know, sorry that you're broken down. Can I help you out? She's like, well, we just live across the street. If you could, Help us, you know, just move stuff across the street, and I'll just call a tow truck. She's like, No problem here. I've got my, you know, car. So we all loaded our stuff in the car, and um, (laughs) we're, I I yelled to my mom as she's loading everything in. I'm like, Mom, don't forget that bottle of good gin that you have underneath the seat because she had put it underneath the seat because you know, you don't want to have open container and my mom looked at me like oh my god she starts explaining well it was a gift and this and that it was she was mortified she told that story alcoholic the next, larry the next 20 years she's, she's like, an alcoholic my seven-year-old uh had had the people who were helping us thinking that uh you know i drink gin out of the out of the bottle um all right so so is who would you give you know, you said you had a heisman vote mm-hmm. you, you don't have an mvp vote I don't have an MVP vote. Who, ha- who has the you MVP vote? did have an MVP vote, what do you think? I mean, would you give it to – right now, the favorite for the MVP is Dak Prescott. They played head-to-head in that game. Brock had four touchdowns, no picks. Prescott had one touchdown and three picks. Niners beat the Cowboys, and they beat them big. Now, obviously, they're going against different defenses that night. Who deserves the MVP more between Prescott and Purdy if it came down to those two guys? I think they're both deserving. First of all, I'd vote for
1: Brock or like I told you, I'd probably vote for McCaffrey if I had to vote. Um, but when you look at Brock's numbers, they're comparable and his difficulty of opponents much higher. I mean, their, their opponent, uh, whatever DVO. I mean, I think if you go through the strength of schedules, it's different. The DVOAs, it's significant. Um, so like from that standard, if you started this year with a totally blank slate, I guess the other major difference between them, right. Is that Dak throws the ball a lot more. Dak has like a hundred more pass attempts than Brock, but from a yardage standpoint, it's fifty more yards. And I also think you know Brock gets knocked. A, it's not like Dak's playing with nobodies either. Like C.D. Lamb was drafted ahead of Brandon Ayuk. <laughs> right. What would Shan, who would Shanahan have drafted if both were on the board? Maybe he
0: would have taken Ayuk, but he might have uh, taken his, like he would have liked C.D. Lamb. They had a really tight relationship with Lynch and Herm. Herm, Herm I know. So that, I think that was what I'm just saying he would have liked CeeDee Lamb. Yeah.
1: Oh, yeah. So Tony Pollard's like, you know, uh, he's two yards more per attempt. He's got three less touchdowns, one more interception. And um, his team is, while not winning more, like winning more in the sense that they beat the other team head to head, kick their ass. So I'd have a hard time giving it to Dak just because I've seen his career. John and I debated this. Like, I've always believed. I remember when Steph won that first MVP. You could kind of feel it coming based on the momentum from the year before. And I think sometimes it has to happen. I think it has to happen for Heisman's. Like Penix finished eighth in the Heisman voting last year, finished second this year. You need some momentum coming into the year. And to me, Dak's never had any. Like Dak is 15th, give or take, in the Mike Sando quarterback tiers every year. He did have the 2021 season, right? Was it was an excellent, they were he was excellent. That offense was incredible in 2021. So Dak has been kind of in the conversation for a long time, but he hasn't been in the MVP conversation. He's just been in the I'm an NFL Dallas Cowboy quarterback. And so I'm polarizing conversation. I do think people like Dak like as a guy, like think he's worthy of, you know, if you had to give somebody a break, give Dak a break, that type of thing. It doesn't hurt that he's Dallas' quarterback. I think it's pretty telling that he is the favorite now. I do here's the argument I would understand on Dak also. Is I don't think no MVP voter, I definitely feel this way to about the Heisman, but when you vote for the Heisman, you're not really concerned about what this guy becomes as a pro. It's not about that. Right. I do think if you vote for the Heisman, you don't want to look back in 5 years having been the guy that voted for like Peyton Hillis or Colin (laughs) or, you know, like a guy that's not, or, or, or Wentz, right. Like giving Wentz an MVP, although he had an MVP year. Um, But uh, you know, like you, you want it to stand up to history. And I do think when you're voting a guy that's got a track record, even though it's not an elite track record, it's a pretty damn good track record with Dak. You just feel comfortable that even though this may not be like the MVP of voting for Peyton or Brady or whatever that this one year, this is like his Matt Ryan season and it'll history will not remember it poorly. You're afraid that you vote for Brock and then Brock in three years. Isn't a franchise quarterback. And you're like, Oh my God, can you believe we gave the MVP to that guy? So I could understand if people were afraid in that way, but I I don't think you can vote that way. I think you just got to vote on what's going on this year. And um, this year is every bit deserving. And I think the numbers Like I, I just I don't see where the numbers favor Dak.
0: Well, the other the other I I think it kind of sets up on paper for Purdy, and here's why: because Dak's got at Buffalo, at Miami, well, and then Detroit, and then Wash, and then at Washington. Okay, so look at the way the Niners finish. Now, this is a Dave uh, Lombardi tweet from earlier today. EPA uh, EPA per play ranks of the Niners past defenses that they face this you know, Arizona's thirty-first, Washington's thirty second, and then Baltimore is second in football. So it's it, it almost I feel like it could come down to how Brock Purdy does on Christmas night at Levi's against that Ravens defense. If he carves them up like a Thanksgiving turkey and puts up three hundred yards and the Niners win big, I think it's his award to lose
1: um I think it I think it's absolutely required that he does that I disagree that it sets up for him though I think it's the reverse I think it sets up for Dak I think so much of it comes down to eye test and when you're playing the teams that Dak is going to play if you throw for 300 yards and three touchdowns you're just going to get and you should it's it's the way it's worked for it's the argument we're making for Brock to this point that he's played better teams and so it sets up for Dak to go win it because of who he plays now you know he could lose it if they lose games which is possible. But if you have the game that Brock Purdy just had against Seattle, if Dak has that game twice coming up in the next four, then then to me, like, he kind of takes control. You know, it's like um, in the NCAA tournament when you're a bubble team, you'd rather have a difficult schedule coming up than an easy one because you right. need those games to help you build your resume. And to me, that's the position Dak's in right now. It's like, And the other thing is he they play well in these games, outside of the Niners for the most part remember the one of their loss was like Arizona early in the year? It was like that's embarrassing. But I bet he plays well in these games. So I think what it sets has been up the, better
0: for Dak than it what's does for Bronco? the key for Dak um, guy because it's like it seems to me that he's turning the ball over less mm-hmm. and he seems like he's running more. Um, is that his combination? I mean, and they and may, they maybe are not throwing it as far downfield. As they have in the past. I, you I'm know, not sure
1: what the- I saw a graph today that's I don't remember who posted that he's just as explosive as last year with less turnovers. I mean, I you know, I bag on McCarthy from time to time and some of its tongue in cheek. I think they manage the game poorly, but Mike's a really good offensive coordinator and they replaced Kellen Moore last year with Mike McCarthy. I mean, maybe that's the difference.
0: Is, is, I mean, are you a fan of Kellen Moore as an offensive co- coordinator? I mean, what is your I'm thoughts? A, I don't know. I'm a fan of Kellen Moore as a Boise state quarterback, but yeah, yeah, no, seriously. He was good back in
1: the day, but there's not a lot of evidence. I mean, the thing, you know, Herbert's out for the year now, another wasted Herbert year is pitiful. Um, and the fact that, you know, Dallas looks the way they look with McCarthy taking over. I don't think it bodes well now, I, you know, Kellen, Kellen's a high level guy, but I don't know. I don't. You know, it's felt like he was about to be a head coach, and it doesn't feel like that anymore.
0: Um, as far as the 49ers, do they have a weakness? Um, I saw this somebody pointed this out today on Twitter that when the 49ers run to the left behind Trent Williams and and um big Aaron Banks, they against Seattle, they had nine carries, 140 yards when they run anywhere else they had seven carries for 5 yards is is the right side of the 49er offensive line and that would be Colton McKivitz at right tackle and either Spencer Burford or big John Feliciano at right right guard is that championship caliber is that going to come back to burn them uh how much of a weakness do you see the right side of the 49er offensive line being Well, if you take that, those, if you take
1: those two guys and go, is this championship caliber? The answer is no. no. But then it's like, well, what team are they on? It's a championship caliber team. So yeah, it is, I guess, you know, like, so run left. How about that? You tell me it's working.
0: Okay. <laughs> they run left, but I mean, well, if, if somebody wants to load up on that side and just kind of force the Niners to run,
1: okay, then they'll run right. and They'll be fine.
0: Right. They'll right. be less bodies over there.
1: Yeah, I don't. Oh, the Warriors score more points when they give the ball to Steph. Is that a problem? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> give the ball to Steph. Let's find out. Right. like right. You're running it behind Trent, right? So he seems to be ha- he he is able to handle more. I don't. He's been on your team for a while. Like, I you know. Yeah, they there are things that are not perfect. The la- All of us, the sudden lack of depth at safety, Mooney Ward's groin that acts up all the time, uh, the right. right side of their offensive line. You know, not a ton of depth at linebacker if something were to happen there. We, you and I have been talking for months about the D-line. They they shored that up. Sounds like Hargrave will be back, right? But, I mean, start, start going through. I, I always feel this way, not to go back to college football, but like at the beginning of every college football season, I hate every team. I'm like, "Oh, they, they don't do this, this or that. They don't do this, this or that. That guy, you know, but there's like five good quarterbacks in college football every year. Like everybody's got
0: holes. And look around the NFL this year. Who is who doesn't have holes? So, well, I know. I mean, the Niners yeah, are probably the deep probably the most complete team in the game.
1: Right. Yes. You're not going to be perfect. I mean, everything you do is about accentuating your strengths and, and protecting your weaknesses. So, you know, they've got one of the best blocking tight ends in the league. They can put them over there. They do. They've got Kyle use They can use him there. McCaffrey is a very smart and good pass protector. So Brock gets the ball out quickly. They've got a good coordinator, you know, all these things. I think it's fine. You wouldn't want it that way, but I don't, what are you supposed to do about it?
0: How concerned are you? Run,
1: let, run, let, left less to like,
0: right. Oh, no, be I'm not sure. Okay. Well, I mean, I mean, and every team's got some weakness. I mean, these aren't perfect football teams. Um, and, and maybe in today's game, you, you don't need to be a perfect football team. Um, missed tackles. Niners missed 14 tackles hmm. against Seattle, and okay. they did miss quite a few tackles in the three games leading into the bye week. Um, what do you think? I mean, as far as, um, you know, missed tackles, you know, is that a sign of fatigue in your mind? Is that a sign of, um, or or do you just credit Kenneth Walker and um, Charbonnet? Because God knows those guys were electric this weekend. I thought they had a couple of, both guys had a couple of incredible runs. Maybe some of the best runs I've seen against the 49ers all year came yeah. from that duo this weekend.
1: Well, that's my first thought because I, you know, both those guys are hard to tackle. So there's that. I mean, I, I don't know, Larry. I just trying to spitball, like, because they have good tacklers, right? Dre Greenlaw's a good tackler. Warner's a good tackler. I say Oliver's a good tackler. Um, I don't have the metrics in front of me, so you tell me if, if I'm wrong. But it feels like Lenore's willing to tackle. Uh, yeah. The safeties tackle. Obviously, the guys up front tackle. Maybe is could it be a function of, you know, it felt like especially early in that game where Seattle's running screen plays you end up in space with a mismatch and maybe that's a position where you miss tackles. I mean, that would be just a, th- if I was trying to come up with a theory as to why it happens, because it feels like they have good tacklers. Could it be that, that tackling you are like, do the, the study would be, are more tackles missed on screen plays? Cause it feels like they had, you know, Seattle ran some of that stuff against them and uh, teams do that against them to try and create a little breathing room for the quarterback. And those tend to be plays where you've kind of got one shot at the tackle. And then if
0: you don't get it, it's, you know, 15 yards. What do you think of that theory? Do you think that holds? I, I, I do? I mean, I, I think the screen well, also the angles, you know, on, on screen passes. Um, sometimes, you know, you've got to kind of you've got to you've got to you know, sometimes you're not in a great position on screen plays. It feels like you're sometimes fighting through trash or moving at odd angles to try to make the play. Um, you know, there's, it just, it's almost like a a creative chaos type vibe on the field where you got different guys at different angles. And, and oftentimes the defenders are in different spots. The Timing can be, can be different on different screen passes. Even if it's the same screen to the same side, to the same back, you could have defenders in different spots. Uh, You have, you know, I mean, I just think that there's a create, and it seems like they're always reacting late to it. Um, So, it just—it seems. I don't want to say it's random because it's not random, um, but I do think that screen passes kind of create kind of a um, kind of an open field feel, and it's a lot of it's about desire to close down that space and, and get to it. Up, oh, we lost guy, but maybe we'll we'll get guy back here in a minute. Uh, he just popped out, but we'll uh, we were talking a little bit about screen passes. Let me hit a couple of these starred chats. Well, guy's probably working his way back here. Um, Moon Man. There we go. Uh, Moon Man says, the great Larry lives. Go Niners. Bang, bang, Niners. Thank you, Moon Man. Uh, here we go. Guy's back. I don't know what happened. You were, you were there. I was making a point, and all of a sudden, you were zapped out. Closed the wrong window. <laughs> that, that happens, man. Uh, Ice Man says, Guy is a one-man army. Not really. He's working well. He works with John. He does some great stuff with John, but guys good solo or, or with John. Um, uh, how many times do you and John stream in a typical week? Three? Uh,
1: four? yeah, two or three, two or three. And I've been doing since the summer. I started just doing like, try to do like, I don't end up with one a day, but maybe like an additional three or four a week in the morning.
0: Does yeah. it get my day going? And then he does stuff is uh, on the side as well with, um, Was it called the... uh, Volume. The volume. The volume. I wanted to call it the voice, but the volume. Uh, Daryl McCollum says, why is Brock not in the comeback player of the year discussion coming off of his surgery and performing at historic levels? That is kind of interesting. They don't view that as a comeback. He, you know, the guy's career could have been... ended. Is anybody in the comeback player of the year discussion? Well, because it's all about Tamar Hamlin. Oh,
1: but I just mean like any year. Does anybody... Nobody, there's no discussion. Is there about, a discussion? The yeah. At the end of the year, they just named somebody. Everyone's like, all right, I was, yeah, good yeah. for him.
0: I think this year it was going to be about Tamar Hamlin, just basically. Yeah, that's on- a good point. But I, you know, like the, like Brock missed a half
1: game with his injury. Right. Right. But. So maybe that's a part of it. Yeah. I mean, it, yeah, maybe. I'm not saying it. he's not worthy. He came back clearly. I just. Usually that award goes to somebody who missed like a season or. Right. Right. Torn ACL. Am I wrong about season that? Season
0: ender. But I mean, heck, you get your elbow ripped off in a pro- playoff game. Yeah, I don't want to denigrate the fact that he went through a lot. It was scary for him. I just if you had to say how to beat the 49ers, um, what is the what is the is there a um stop the run? Know, stop the run. Do you play man? Do you you know you don't blitz, right? I mean Brock Purdy is the twenty three year old quarterback that you just can't blitz. Yeah. Don't blitz, and you may be
1: able to get home with four. I think he's he's eight, he's eighth. I looked this morning, PFF eighth, in pressure rate right in the league. Okay, like the, he gets pressured. It's whatever thirty. I could tell you again, but I think it's like thirty nine percent of his dropbacks, right? Which is high. Now he's fifty four percent completion on those, which is good.
0: Um, here we go. Passing pressure. Because to me, I think you don't blitz. You rush four, you mix your coverages, but you play a lot of man, and you may want to, you may want to rotate late in the middle of the field because he seems like he throws the ball with anticipation to spots, and his he relies on his receivers to get to those spots, and there's a lot of in breaking stuff, and there's a lot of shallow, intermediate, and deep crossers, um. You ready for this stat? Yeah, what do you got? Oh,
1: so Brock is eighth in the league. 39% of his dropbacks uh, he's pressured on, okay? It's eighth highest. Number one is Fields, 48%. Brock, this shocks me, Larry. Brock is blitzed 43%. Of, that can't be right. Maybe maybe this is 43% of blitzes result in pressure. Which is number one in the NFL, most. Okay.
0: He's not blitzed forty three percent of his. No, so it must
1: be forty three percent of
0: blitzes result in pressure, which is number one in the league. Which also is, stands up right. to the fact that they're he's operating behind a line that's, whatever it is, middle of the pack in you know O line win rate or whatever. His completion A-block percentage on rate. those numbers. 68%, fourth best in the league against blitz. Which is right very similar to what his actual completion percentage is. Yeah. It's then, also right there with Tua and Dak. <laughs> right? So he's you know he's been remarkably consistent. Yeah. Um when you think about it, I mean, you know, for for a young quarterback, uh you would think that there would be some inconsistency, a little bit more inconsistency to his game and instead, you're seeing a guy who's um, remarkably consistent. I mean, it just seems like he's, every game he's playing, he's he's not going to complete, you know, he's had games where he's completed, what, 95% of his passes against Arizona. Mm-hmm. That's pretty amazing. But but he's also right around his, his college career per completion percentage, I think was 67%. And more times than not, that's right about where he sits in these NFL games, right about 67%. Well, he
1: hasn't. He's been under seventy percent once since the first three weeks of the season, and that was Cleveland. First three weeks of the season, he was under seventy percent in all three, and he's only been under seventy one
0: time since. That's amazing. That's that's an amazing. That's amazing consistency. Um, Kyle Shanahan. Let's talk about Kyle Shanahan for a second. He currently sits at fifty-two and twenty-seven. That's his regular season record since the start of 2019. So we're giving him a couple of years because the team was bad and it didn't really reflect on who he was. That Those first two years, they were building up the roster. The Niners were gutted during the, you know, the Chip Kelly era, but they were 50, he's 52 and 27 in the regular season since the start of 2019. Okay. A lot of people, I mean, forget the hot seats garbage. That was never, that was, he was never on the hot seat. Um, and there were people that were saying he was on the hot seat this year when Jed had worked out a contract for him in the off season. They just hadn't announced it yet. But do you feel like Kyle Shanahan has something to prove? He is essentially Andy Reid before Re- Andy came to Kansas City, found Mahomes, and won Super Bowls. He was a, he's a very good offensive coach that's widely respected around the league that just hasn't and has gotten close to a ring but hasn't gotten the ring. I'm sure you and John have talked about this because I know John uh, knows Andy Reed. Well, do you guys see the parallels between Reed's career and Shanahan's career? And in your mind, what does Shanahan need to prove to you? That he can win the super bowl. That's it. That's it. Like, just like
1: Andy, you do that. And now you're on a hall of fame trajectory. And I've brought this up many times over the last couple of years, especially when it was like, Bad. Andy Reed did not get run out of Philly because he didn't win the championship. Andy Reid, they went eight and eight and four and twelve in his last two years. That's why he stopped being the Eagles. I mean, it's more complicated than that. But like I think sometimes people think Andy went 10 and 6 and got fired in Philadelphia. It's not what happened. He went four and 12. Um, and I think John John remembers this because he was there. I I think they lost like of those four, I think they might have started like four and one or four and oh, or like, I think they not only, Oh, you know what it was? It was the year before when they went eight and eight, it fell apart at the end of that year. So they, they had a bad end to an eight and eight season and then they went four and 12 the next year. So in that sense, yeah, it's now I will say this on the other side of that coin. uh, He won the lead. He won his division a lot more. He went to more NFC championship games. Like felt like his team was a super bowl contender more, but that was also a, you know, 11 years where he was, there was like a ten, a decade straight where he was a Super Bowl contender almost every year in Philadelphia, which is pretty incredible. Um, so, yeah, the thing that Kyle has to prove is that he can, in the biggest games, beat Reed and Mahomes or Harbaugh and Lamar or, you know, Hertz and
0: Sirianni. No, that doesn't seem to hold up. But do you blame him for the way he's coached in big games? A lot of people feel, going back to when... They led twenty eight three against Tom Brady that Kyle something happens in these games. No, I don't think so. You don't. You don't feel like there's anything I think what he-
1: happened in that game is he just kept coaching it like any other game. <laughs> That's right. what happened in the Atlanta right. game. yeah, but I don't think I, I think he's gotten better since then. And I still think I you know he's, the the end of the first half management would be the thing if you're doing a study, it's been pretty inconsistent. now, I think he's gotten more aggressive with Brock. Um, the first half, the end of the first half on Sunday against Seattle left something to be desired. His explanation after the game was there was he and the, he was not on the same page with the officials and understanding that they were going to wind the clock after the ready for play, after the whistle, instead of on the snap. And the Seattle was able to run, uh, you know, like 25 seconds off the clock then. But, uh, so that would be like the question in those moments. Uh, but otherwise I think he's a championship coach. I think he's a super bowl winning coach without a super bowl yet. Now, maybe I'll keep saying that and he won't win a super bowl and it'll be proven wrong, but I don't think he has failed to win a super bowl because he's incapable of it or calls the game incorrectly in big games. Um, but he still has to prove that. That's just what I think. Like he hasn't done it yet.
0: I don't think he's had the quarterback yet. I know Matt Ryan won the MVP. They had a historic run on first down. They had, I think their offense in Atlanta averaged like almost 9 yards on first down, which is very very wow. good. Matt Ryan was spectacular that year. They had they had a bevy of weapons. Um but he also, they lost to Tom Brady. Tom Brady's better, okay? Um they lost Jimmy Garoppolo, lost to Stafford. Stafford was better. Jimmy Garoppolo lost to um Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes was better and made more plays, so I I, I think he's not going to win until his quarterback is better in the in the winner's circle, and he and that quarterback plays well. My only complaint with Kyle Shanahan would be when the money's on the table. I need to see the best the money players touch the ball. Yeah, Debo Samuel had two touches in the second half against Kansas City in the Super Bowl. He was that he was in my mind the MVP in the first half. Uh, He needs to touch the ball more. When the Niners got into a, you know, got to have it NFC title game against the Rams, Stafford went to Cooper Cup repeatedly. You know, you got to go to your money guys. So they got to find a way to get the ball in the hands of their money guys.
1: They have more money guys now. They do. They do. Like who's on the field that's not, who are you getting the ball to that isn't a money guy on this team?
0: Yeah. When you're healthy, Warner. And yeah, then, uh, Ronnie, Ronnie Bell, Jawan Juwan Jennings, is, Jennings is a money a, guy. Yeah, he's he's definitely a money guy. And on third and seven, GMC. that's throwing the ball. Yeah. Third and Jawan. Third and Jawan. Yeah. Very underrated player. Is he going to get Kendrick Bourne's contract? Elsewhere. Yeah. maybe. <laughs> yeah. He's <laughs> a terrific player. He really, he really is. is. He really is. A couple last ones with Guy Haberman. We got about 10 more minutes that I'm uh, in the stream here. Um and I'm really glad to have you, man. I, I love this summer talking ball with you. We had a lot of great conversations in and around Niner training camp as we were both sweating. You were, <laughs> you were making notes on your boards and I was yeah. trying to figure out how to film everything and write everything <laughs> down and looking around as people were saying, Trey Lance is the best quarterback on the field.
1: He never
0: uh, was. <laughs> and he never was. And I couldn't believe what was going on out there, but um NBC has passed on Al Michaels for the playoffs. Have you seen that? Did you see that story this morning? I,
1: I, I Several of my um, buddies in broadcasting sent me that story today,
0: yeah. It's like a new era. They're going to go with uh, Ian Eagle's kid, Noah, mm-hmm. who's 26, as the play-by-play voice for their number 2 NFL playoff broadcast in January, passing on Al Michaels, the New York Post reporting this. Uh, Tariko and Collinsworth have the call on three of the network's four playoff broadcasts next month, including one game on Peacock. Uh, but NBC declined to bring back Michaels for the fourth game. Now, I have not watched a lot of the Thursday night Amazon broadcast, but there have been so many people, my son included, that have said, man, Michaels has been so low energy. Um, I think Al Michaels is the greatest of all time. I just think he's so damn good. I love Al Michaels. He's used to do Giants games. I think he's one of the very, very best. But everybody's got their day, and everybody's day is over at some point. I'm not asking you to comment on that. I would never ask you to do that. But I just, as as somebody who does this for a living, who's your who do you, who are your favorites? Who do you enjoy? Because you probably have a more critical ear for the broadcast, and you probably have a better sense of it uh, than I do. Who are who are Guy Haberman's? favorite play-by-play guys. And where does Michael's career-wise sit on that list?
1: I mean, career-wise, it's, you know, it's at the top. Um, I love, you know, when I was, my dad was in the Air Force, but he's from Baltimore, Maryland. So before we started moving around, when I was very young, we were in Baltimore when John Miller was uh, the voice of the Orioles. And then I saw I was an Orioles fan. And then we were moving around and, you know, all over the country and abroad and came back. And then we moved to California, uh, to Davis in Northern California in 99. And John Miller was the voice of the Orioles. So, I mean, the uh, Giants. Um, So, John Miller for, you know, my childhood was definitely atop that list. Like, he's one of the most talented Al. um, Everybody, there are so many things from different guys that you love, like Costas's ability to, be eloquent off the cuff is, you know, he's one of the best at that. I think one of the things that I learned from Al is how quickly Al doesn't waste time hearing himself talk when it comes to telling a story about a player, right? So some guys will take three snaps to tell you about Larry Kruger's background. Al will do it in 15 seconds, right? Larry Kruger from San Francisco, California. And then bam, bam, bam. Drafted 15th overall. Then he had a knee injury, and now he's come back, and he's the comeback player of the year. Like Al will do it fast, where some guys will drag it out and drag it out and drag it out. Tarico is the same thing as Al. Like he he's the same at that. Um, uh, Joe Davis, I think, is excellent, excellent at den identi- Nobody identifies faster than Joe in terms of who catches the ball, who's about to catch the ball, who the ball's going to, who made the tackle. I think it's, and he nails big calls. He nails big calls all the time. Um, I think he's one of the best at nailing big calls. Chris Fowler's excellent at context, like always on top of the context of a situation. So I'm not really answering your question directly because it's hard. Well, it's, no, it no. really I, is. Hard. I'm I not, like your like This is the conversation, conversation off the air I'd be having with you. It's like, it's hard to say, here's the one guy who does everything perfect. There, I don't think there's such a thing, but, you know, I think Bucks simpli- and B- Joe has gotten um, his simplicity is what he gets a lot of credit for, and it's rightful. Like he, he, he's he's very good at that. He's excellent at it. Um, in a business where a
0: lot of people overtalk it, uh, I'm sure I'm I'm forgetting a million people. Um, is there an underrated young guy that we don't know of yet that you've identified as as really good outside of yourself, of course, uh, <laughs> present. There's this guy out of the Bay Area named Haber. You really got to (laughs) listen. I do think I'm good, Larry. Uh, Thank you.
1: Um,
0: Well, he's not underrated. I I think. uh, um, Or just somebody maybe you know that we don't, wouldn't know necessarily. Or wouldn't. We know, but we just don't have the same appreciation for yet. Yeah. uh, um, Oh, that's a good question. Because, you know, these jobs don't turn over that fast. A lot of these guys have been doing this forever. Yeah. I mean, I just mentioned Iron Eagle's kid. Uh, I I think he's pretty good. I've always been a, kind of a fan of Iron Eagle as well.
1: Yeah. You
0: know, I mean, this is not, it's not for, like me giving this
1: guy a compliment is silly because he's excellent. And I think most people know it already. Jason Benetti, <clears throat> who does the number two, yeah, number two Fox game okay. with Brock Huard. He was the whites. Are you familiar with him? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So he was the number two white. He was the White Sox TV guy. Now he does. Now he moved to the White Sox. Uh, to the uh, Tigers, but I think he is like, I, I don't want to say he's underrated because he's not underrated, but he's so good at football. Like, I, I think he is excellent. Um, So that's kind of a newer, new-ish guy, but again, like he's not new. That's not under the radar. Right.
0: Under the radar. It's hard to be under the radar. Oh, I know. No, I mean, heck, it's, it's hard to break into that biz, guys. And once it, it, it takes a while to break in, too. It's not just you don't break in in a day no no you don't yeah what bowl games are you gonna be I'm, I'm a big bowl game guy what you know if i if i want to even if still I, oh no i love bowl games so you kidding me i watch all the bowl games uh i'll be i'm the guy watching the freaking whatever bowl. i'll watch the you know i'll watch a the bowl the the Manike car care bowl i'm there um what will you guy haberman if i yeah. want to say you know what I want to make sure I catch all of Guy Haberman's bowls. by the way, you know what I really I'm not like doing the bowl. Yeah. I like Dave Fleming
1: yeah uh, but Dave's not I don't feel that's not an underrated
0: no not an underrated, but he might be underrated on a national scale, you think well, not re- I mean he's obviously you know very accomplished now but I mean if you say Dave Fleming in the middle of Chicago, I don't know I don't know that people necessarily are like, oh yeah Dave you know yeah they know that he's good when they hear him. And they like him when they hear him. He's so comfortable, which is, like, it's just, I think in he's theory, not, the
1: easiest thing, but it's not yeah, the easiest thing. Exactly. And then he's also, like, so good at um, context. Yeah. You know?
0: It really is smart. he said to trying- me the other
1: day, you know, when Greenlaw – when uh, sorry, Warner and DK got into it. Mm-hmm. And they threw, two fl- they threw a flag, and then they threw the hat. And there was a debate on TV. They were trying to figure out, was the first flag – what was it for? Was it on Warner? I I thought they didn't because they only announced one penalty on each guy, one on him and one on Lenore. I thought the first flag was for the body slam tackle by DK. And then the hat was for DK pushing him in the face. And somebody said to me, well, how are these guys not seeing it? And I like that crew's really good. It's there was so much going on. It's so easy to miss one look. You know, it's just I hate to say it, but sometimes things get missed. Um, especially if it's happening like on your monitor and you're watching something or whatever. And that's where like Fleming is that like, he never misses stuff. Never met mi- Nance, never misses stuff like that. I think Jim's really good too. Um, Maybe because
0: Tom Spencer has been a spotter forever.
1: <laughs> you know, I don't know
0: Tom Spencer. That's Oh, he used to work at Canberra. He's he works with Nance on. Yeah. On I mean, a spot, a the good Masters.
1: spotter is like a second brain really. So yeah.
0: Joe Castellano, I think worked with Greg Gumbel for a long time. Oh, that's cool um but yeah no i i i i'm a big fan of dave i like dave i think he strikes the right chord yeah. um he's smart but you know he's not sitting there trying to prove to you he's smart you know what i mean he stays out of the way of the broadcast but he still is really 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 good and he can do a lot of things yeah. he can do little, little league world series he golf. can do the giants he can do golf he can do Basketball. and he, yeah i mean he sounds i i just and maybe because i know dave and i like dave but i i also agree really, I really think Dave should get. Um, okay, last one. Uh, last Arizona, one. Arizona, Arizona. We're doing bowl games. I think. No, you no, no, you,
1: no. No, no. I'm not doing one. I'm, you said uh, one to watch. Arizona,
0: Oklahoma. That's one I like. As far as the matchup, you mean? Yeah. Okay. What? A, give me, give me what you think of who's going to win? Alabama, Michigan, and Texas, Washington. The national semis on ESPN um, on January 1st. I don't want to be a homer, but uh, I think Washington's going to win the national championship. Um, Do you? Yeah, I do. Because Huskies have been really good. I've caught them a bunch this year. Their defense is good. Who's that back they have? They run the ball well now. Dylan Johnson, yeah, yeah. transfer
1: from Mississippi State. Yeah,
0: they the problem
1: with them is they only they've played in like I told you earlier, only close games. Like they play in one-score games going back to September. So, they have some of that like, you know, before the Niners played the Eagles thing where people go like, you can't sustain this. But I think their coach, I think Kalen DeBoer is one of the best big game coaches in college football already. And we'll soon like we'll look back in five, six years and go, Oh yeah, that's one of the best big game coaches in college football. He's got a month to prepare. Now Sark's team is actually good. And a month to prepare for Sark, I think is significant, but I think you give Kalen DeBoer a month to prepare. And um, I think it's going to be really tough to beat. So I I think Washington beats Texas.
0: Okay. Washington's a four point underdog in that game. I I, I do like Washington. I love you.
1: I love love you to the points in that game. I also think that there's a difference between giving Harbaugh a month and giving Saban a month. I think Alabama has the advantage there. I'd rather play Alabama with a week to prepare than Michigan, and I'd rather play Michigan with a month to prepare than Alabama. If that makes sense.
0: Hmm.
1: So I think so you Alabama. Like Bama, huh? So I like Bama because I think Saban's gonna. I think his month is just going to be more productive in terms of preparation than Harbaugh's. And um, I, you know, Harbaugh's coaching a lot of these big games. I question whether or not they can, from his Niner time and from his Michigan time, whether in this type of game he can really win it. Last year they got beat by TCU, remember? So I think Alabama wins that game. But I don't think Alabama is as good as Michigan. So then I think you you have the far superior passing game and quarterback on Washington's side than Alabama's side, and that's why I think Washington wins.
0: Could style. you imagine if the Huskies win the national championship in a year where the conference is gone? That's it. I know. I mean, wow. I that know. would be a fitting end. That would be amazing. It would be bittersweet without the sweet, just bitter. <laughs> yeah, just bitter. And well, whoever the head of the Pac-12 is, that guy, oh, my God. I won't even make you comment because I, I know you don't want to. Hey, let me just throw these last supers in here. Artemis. Uh, 4994 says, if Brock wins, does he get Jimmy G type extension? I think he gets better than a Jimmy G type extension, to be honest. Uh, Yellow Spy says, there isn't a team in the league with championship caliber players across the whole offensive line. If you got two or three guys, you're high on the list. I agree with that. I agree with that. Um, though I do like Detroit's offensive line a lot. Horse Blooded says, choose must sit 13 or 23 for a game. Um, other is the MVP. I got to choose, I'm sitting McCaffrey. Yeah, same. Good argument. That's a good counter to my case. Um, mile Mike Partridge gifted five the Krug Show membership. Here you go. Thank you, Mike. Thank <laughs> you. I always give a little. What track. are memberships? How does that work? Oh, people pay memberships. They get they get uh they get some of the stuff a little sooner than some of the other people. Oh, I see, some, the, some you, you, content a little you sooner. The YouTube
1: game going a little
0: sooner. Yeah. It's pretty good. We'll talk about it off the end. Yeah. yeah, tell me about it. Mike Partridge uh, also says, "Still worth it to sign Ertz." I'd say yes. You want Ertz for the block. You just want Ertz so he doesn't go to Baltimore or one of these other spots. And I, I like Ertz, and I think Ertz. Um, you know, you got to me. it's Ertz is two value, has two valuable reasons for Ertz. He doesn't wind up in with Baltimore, Philly, or Dallas. And if Kittle goes down, you got a real receiver at tight end as your number two guy I, to me, that's the bigger reason than the block. If, if, wh- why is nobody signing him? What's taking so long? I don't know. Maybe he's asking for a lot. Maybe, you know, he wants to win the Super Bowl. Maybe he's waiting to see who the best team is. Right that's Super Bowl. Case. <laughs> well, he might be waiting for the last second to see who he could sign with, or maybe, maybe nobody wants him. You know, maybe nobody wants him. Mike's his rest ward this weekend. No doubt. No doubt. No Mooney ward this weekend. And uh loner incognito says, do you think that the Niners will win out with a tough team like the Ravens and the Rams, which have a hard, have been hard on us to uh, hard for us to beat? No, they have a hard on a hard on to beat us. Okay. I don't know. I was hoping he wasn't saying that. Um I was moving words around to try to avoid hard on, but what the hell it's YouTube. Um I think the Rams are going to be tough, but I do think the Niners are going to run the table. I do. I think they'll beat the Ravens. Now, if that game was in Baltimore, I'd take the Ravens. That game at Levi's. I'll be there. I'm taking the Niners on Christmas night.
1: Mm.
0: What do you think guy? Niners Ravens Christmas night. What do you like? I like the Niners at home. Yeah. When do you go live again, man? When you and three John o'clock. go live at three o'clock.
1: Uh, yeah. Three five, something like that.
0: Hour and a half. Everybody go uh, check out guy and John.
1: Thanks. Larry. Everybody
0: loves your guys stuff, man. You guys really kick butt a great respect for you. Great respect for John. Great for respect for what you've built have had a chance to watch you guys um, on more than one occasion in the last three weeks. And, man, I I love you guys when you guys go around the league and kind of hit on non-Niner stuff and kind of just move it around. Um, You guys are really, really good. I was going to ask you, you mentioned you're from Davis. Did you guys meet in high school? Yes. I always wondered if you met at 95-7 the game or if you met in high school. No, no. Because you guys do have a rapport that seems deeper than – Hey, I just met you. Met you last week or two years ago. Yeah, so you guys have known each other going back to Davis High. That's right. Yep. I've always thought
1: I've never really been in the position. I don't. You probably have of like when you do a show with somebody, you don't. You know, like people get thrown together all the time and in, sure. In the, old, in the in the old radio business. Yeah. And I've always thought like God, That would be tough. <laughs> you spend it is. a lot of time together arguing.
0: You know, <laughs> it is. Or somebody you just don't trust. Right. Because, you know, that's really what it's about. It's about, hey, man, do you have a trust? And once you have a trust and a rapport, things really stem from there. Uh, and if you don't have that trust and you don't have that rapport, then it just it comes across the mic. Yep. Um, one last shout out to the sponsors, Marin Autoglass on the bottom of the screen. If you, sh- you shatter a windshield and you need someone to replace it, MarinAutoglass.com. New York style Italian sausage is the only kind of Italian sausage that I will eat. And, of course, Pig and a Pickle, the best barbecue in all of Northern California. By the way, I need to tell Guy and everybody else, uh, check me out uh, during Niners Cardinals. We are going to be at Pig and a Pickle in Corte Madera for the watch party. We're going to do a little watch party at Pig and a Pickle. Uh, here it is right here. Check it out. December 17th, 341 Corte Madera Town Center. Uh, we'll do the post game there. I'll be there from noon till eight. So stop by, have some barbecue, have a beer, uh, say hi, then go do some Christmas shopping at Corte Madera Mall and come back, watch the post-game show. Appreciate all of you guys doing that. A lot of people are coming to that. I'm looking forward to it. They got good internet there? I'm hoping. I'm hoping. (laughs) We're going to find out. We're going to find out. Uh, I may have to double-check that. I may have to bring my own uh, hotspot. But, uh, guy, good stuff, man. Always love rapping with you, and hopefully we'll do it again soon. Yeah, Larry, great to see you, man. Thanks. Oh, for also, having thanks me. to Underdog Fantasy and Mojo Fantasy, also two other sponsors of The Krug Show who we love, and they do a great job, Underdog Fantasy, Mojo Fantasy. Uh, check them out. Uh, the link is in the description. Use the promo code KRUG, and they will match you up to your first $100. Thanks to them as well for sponsoring the Krug show, but guy awesome stuff, man. And, um, you guys, uh, you, how long will you stream for today? Um, I don't know. An hour, hour. You guys get in and get out.
1: Well, Everybody, it could be an hour. I, I, it's, uh,
0: it's, it's pretty loosely planned usually <laughs> and usually longer than intended. <laughs> yeah. There you go. As you know, have a great rest of your day, everybody. Check out Guy and John at three. And until next time, we're out. Peace. Yeah, never met a
1: man I've been scared of. Careful, you won't get exactly what you asked.